Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast, your go-to source for insights and strategies in the HVAC, plumbing, and roofing industries. I'm Corey Barrier, here to guide you through transformative approaches to business and mindset. Each episode will explore unique methods, focusing on identifying and addressing the core challenges in your field. Our goal is to equip you and your team with practical solutions that foster growth and success. So whether you're tuning in for the first time or you're a longtime listener, get ready to dive into a wealth of knowledge and expertise. Let's begin our journey to success together. This is the successful life. It's Corey Barrier. Yeah, come learn with me. Take you down the path of our journeys. This is the successful life. It's time to take what you learn. Apply it to your life. It's your turn. To live a successful life. You are tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. Three, two. Thank you for listening to the Successful Life Podcast. We have no dues or fees, so please refer to this podcast to a friend. Make sure you rate, review, and hit the subscribe button. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast. I am your host, Corey Barrier, and I'm here with Tony Watley, who is, is an executive coach and his book he just came out with, Side Hustle Millionaire. And the reason for the book is because he literally created a side hustle and made millions of dollars. And so today we're going to hear his story. He's also actually a speaker, uh, which I got to enjoy him speaking about three or four weeks ago um, at an Arte live event and the dude, you wouldn't know it if you just talked to him, but he knocked it out of the water without a shadow of a doubt. So Tony, welcome. Hey Corey, brother, man. Thank you, man. It was a good breakfast we had kind of got you spiked up and going and man, I want to give some value. I know that this, the show is just getting kicked off, but you know what? That's no fucking excuse for giving some good value to get some more listeners into your arena. Damn straight. Let's do it. So take off, brother. Tell me about you. Tell me about how you got to where you are, you know, because I know there's people out there that are trying to do exactly what you did. And they're going through the struggle of, of working that regular job. We'll just say a nine to five, if that mm -hmm. even work, if that even happens these days, but nine to five and then they come home and they are spending a little bit of time with their family and they're grinding their ass off on their side hustle. That's kind of what you did, right? Absolutely. I did it. Actually, there was a time that I was working three jobs at once and that was even with a college degree. So I actually worked full time during college, paid for an engineering degree myself. It took me seven years. I was working full time in the construction outside in the hot Texas sun I go to school at nighttime from usually like 6 to 10 p.m. And then I would stay up and study and sleep about three or four hours a night. Did that for seven years. And all of a sudden, when I get out of school and I actually had an engineering job, you know, base salary back then was about 40000 Pretty, Pretty good. Not, not horrible. Not, not rich, right? I, I said, okay, what do I do with this 5 o'clock time? You know, so all I knew was about trading time for dollars back then. So I actually went and got another job. So I went back and started waiting tables and working in the restaurants that I previously managed on the weekends while I was in college. And I was this engineering degree guy that had a corporate job that would still go wait tables every single night, seven days a week, because I did not have the life that I wanted at that time, but I did have time to trade 
And I did that for a couple of years before I started to understand that this trading my hours for dollars stuff just doesn't really scale very well. It doesn't really make you a whole lot more money. Yeah, making an extra hundred bucks a shift at waiting tables was a lot of money back then, but it doesn't scale, man. And you have no social life. You have nothing, you have no life really at all. And to make it even worse, I would just start working on cars on the weekend morning. So Saturday mornings, I'd go work at performance shop, wrenching on cars, doing some counter sales. Sunday mornings, I would be detailing cars, installing car stereos in the driveway, whatever I could. So I was always willing to put in the work and do what it took to get what I wanted. And most people just, they let their egos get in the way. Because I'll tell you, there's a lot of people that would have seen someone that with an engineering degree, you know, pretty prestigious degree, very difficult to get, got the job. They would not go wait tables. They would think they're too good for that. And that's the problem with most people. They're just not willing to do what it takes to get what they actually want. They, they know what they want. Everybody knows what they want. Corey, you know what you want. You see things out there. You see the lifestyle people are living. And then you go, well, that's just not for me. And then that's a, just a bullshit answer. It's like, what do I need to do to get to that? And if it requires you to go suck up your ego and your pride and go take that extra job or that third job, then that's what it's going to take. Understand that those things don't last forever. You know, that's just the thing that gets you ahead of that moment. There's always going to be other opportunities that present themselves over time that you can actually start to scale, maybe start that first business. Maybe you partner up with somebody that's been watching you hustle and they go, man, I really like your work ethic. That's happened to me. They see what I'm doing, they see what I'm putting out there, and they want to align with somebody that's like that because that discipline and that tenacity is the one thing that most people in this world lack. And when you see people out there putting in the kind of work consistently day after day, they stand out. And guys, consistency and discipline do not cost you a damn thing. They're the, that's the secret hack to everything in success is just being able to go do that and execute and not be distracted by all the other bullshit people talking all this big stuff. I made a Facebook post this, this morning about that. All these people just jumping into industry after industry after industry. We've seen this, especially on social media. It's like every three months I got a different business card. Hey, I'm a real estate agent. Hey, I'm a digital marketer. Hey, I'm doing CBD now. Hey, I'm doing this funnel building. Hey, I'm building websites now. Like every three months, these people are changing directions because they think that there's always some secret that's left to be undiscovered. And the real fact is that the discovery is within them. They're not being disciplined. They're not being focused. And rather than focusing on trying to go hard for a couple months, they need to be committed to go for a full year, two years, three years before they start to get the results. You can be successful to any of those things I just mentioned. But let's face it, they're trendy. And when I see people jumping on the trendy bandwagon, I know that they're not the right person that's going to ever achieve some level of success. That's totally true. So, you know, let's talk about that for a second. There's two, two parts to that. So there's one, all right, so what do you think that's doing to the person that's jumping around? What is that doing to their mind? What's that doing to their confidence, their, um, you know, it, it, it has to carry uh, in uh, carry over into like their the way they portray themselves. So mm-hmm. I guess it's incongruency. I guess that's what it kind of boils down to. You know, if three months ago X Y Z this person was doing X Y Z, and and like you said, every three months there's a shift. I think he's. I think the person's probably so he's confusing his own mind as to what the hell he's doing does that make sense oh yeah it's it's a lack of self-confidence and also here's the thing is you see or you perceive 
other people being successful in that, that niche or that vertical. So you go jump in like you, like latest trend. I see everybody's they're starting to come around Bitcoin. People are starting to come around spamming lately for a while. They were like in hiding, licking their wounds because they lost all their money. Now they're starting to go on the uptick and people are just jumping into it. So I call them bitionaires. Because <laughs> they're acting like they're billionaires, but they're really just bitionaires, bitionaires. So they're always trying to get people into their fold, acting like they're some kind of hedge fund manager, trying to pitch you to get into their group, whatever that bullshit is. So there's people doing that. There's people doing that with the CB, multi-level marketing. Hey, I'm doing the CB. Well, why is your CBD any better than the other dudes that talked to me earlier today or yesterday or the day before? It's probably not. Probably the same thing with a different white label. Let's be honest. So. People are always jumping around looking for this fast track to success. And the thing is, they perceive other people to be successful in that. So they think that they deserve the same level of success, like instantly. As soon as they jump in, they think, man, all this money is going to start rolling in. My PayPal account's going to get lit up, dude. It's going to get all this stuff coming in. And then it's like ghost town. Tumbleweeds are flowing through their PayPal account. They're worrying about things. They're getting their overdraft fees from their checking account because they're spending more than they're making. And they go, man, this shit ain't working. This, this must be a really bunk industry that I'm in. I, I think I got, I got duped. Well, what's next? What's right. next? And they get their hands. Oh, man, what's next? So, you know what? I'm going to go be a real estate agent. I'm going to go jump into that now because I see people killing it. There's TV shows. There's influencers in real estate. All these people are just killing it in real estate, but they don't realize all the hard work that went on for years for that person to build that pipeline of business, to build their personal brand, to be recognized as a premier leader in real estate. It takes years. Most people want that instant gratification. They think they can go zero to 100 just jumping in the car. Right. It's not true, guys. It's not true. It's really not true. Like, you know, it, they, people say, oh, well, so-and-so is an overnight success. Well, guess what? And you know what I'm going to say. That overnight success took 18 fucking years. Mm-hmm. So, there is no get rich, you know, scheme that's really going to work. If it's too good to be true, fucking just, you should know it's too good to be true. If it, if it doesn't sound right, you, there's a part in your brain that says, all right, dumbass, this is not, this is really not what you think it is. But sometimes our conscious mind will override that and go for it anyway. And then you wind up jumping from job to job. And here's a tip. If you're watching your social media feed, and a lot of people listening to this definitely will be or do it as a a habit. And if you start seeing a a, a pattern starting to form with a bunch of different people jumping into some newest trend, whatever that might be, understand that by the time it's discovered by the masses, it's already too damn late to make the money in it and that you're fooling yourself because the people that are making money were the early adopters that were doing it when nobody was talking about it. So maybe instead of worrying about the thing that everything's, everybody's talking about, start focusing on things that nobody's talking about. And that's going to be the secret to maybe a problem that you can solve to make millions of dollars. Absolutely. It's interesting. My wife, um, let me see. So she, I've encouraged her to start a podcast and she's been thinking about it. Da, 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 couldn't figure out quite, quite what she wanted to do, but she's found a niche. She's found, she's a wedding photographer. So she's found uh, a niche that there is no podcast out there like what she's figured out. And that's kind of where it starts. You got to figure out something that is not currently available and that's hard to do. Um, but it can be done without a doubt. And sometimes it's something very simple. Like, you know, I'm trying to think of a, a good example 
of something that's come out that has been successful. Um, I, you know, I'm not, my mind's escaping me, but it's all, it's all about problem solving, man. If you, if you take mental notes and be aware of your day-to-day routine, whatever it is, you know, like, like you're holding a coffee cup right there and I've got one on my desk. Maybe there's something about it that annoys you that you wish was a better version of that. You know, it's just, you get, you commute to work, you see a bunch of issues, you, you complain about traffic or whatever. Like, is there something out there that you can do to solve a big problem? That's when you start to become more aware. Take those notes carry a little paper and a pad around or put it in your phone. Use a free app like Evernote to do that. You know, it's like a post-it note in your phone. There's a lot of things that that can be solved that people just aren't willing to do. And the thing is, is everybody's distracted by these silver bits and magic potions and all these other crap that's around there on the internet. And they're always thinking like, listen to the guys, if you're, if you're watching somebody on social media right now, that's posting screenshots of their bank statements and telling you like how much money they make, and you're falling for that shit, like knock that shit off because people making money don't really have to do that. You can see it by their lifestyle, man. You know, when I see people doing webinars from their one bedroom apartment and you can see literally see the kitchen in their background and they're telling you that they make millions of dollars. Do you really believe that shit? No, unless that's the penthouse in the New York City tower. It's not true. So understand that their lifestyles go scroll back. And I'm not even talking about the the last six months of their life, like social media, Google, you can't hide shit from that stuff. There's spiders out there crawling all kinds of data, photos, websites, everything that you're linked on. Like if you want to learn from somebody, go Google them, go spend a couple minutes, 30, 40 minutes looking to see what they've achieved. Not in the last six months, because that could be the facade of the silver bullet that they're into at the moment. But go look, you want to read a best-selling novel? Or go read something like a, like a New York Times bestseller on some business book. You're going to find a lot of books out there that are written by people that are exceptional books, but those people did not – dude, they didn't accomplish shit before that book came out. Right. There's some big names out there that did not accomplish shit, and people are like licking up their gospel, you know, like, oh, my God, I'm going to quote this person, all this and this and that. And, you know, it's like it makes me sick because you go do that. You read a good book. You're like, dude, this is an amazing book. Let me go find out what this person did. And you go, and it's like this – cloud of secrecy, like you can't find anything, very vague statements. You get them on an interview and they're just, oh, well, you know, I, I was in real estate or I owned a few businesses. And that, nobody that owns a business ever says, I owned businesses. No. The names of their businesses, like their children. They're right. proud of their businesses. Of they, you know, you go look at that and they're like, oh, they were, you go look at their LinkedIn. Oh, they were just some middle manager in some small company. And they That's wrote so this book. interesting. I, I so so now it is absolutely driving me crazy. Like I know you know whoever it is you're referring to. It's driving me nuts not to know. Oh, uh, there's multiple. I'm not going to drop names. No, of course. I'm just not. teaching people to do their due diligence. Go look yeah. at go look at somebody's life ten years ago. Right. See what it was. See what it was like. You can find all this stuff. Hey, you know what? If you're listening to this, go Google me. I I, I dare you. Go Google me. Yeah. Go look back on the internet since 1996. You'll find hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. I'll dominate the first five pages of Google with my name, but I'm proud of that because that's something that I've built over a long period of time, kind of getting back to what we talked about, right? Yeah, for sure. Don't Google me or you'll see that I have a felony. <laughs> hey, <laughs> a story. It's a story. It is. I mean, you know, yeah. uh, we all have our our our, um, our lessons, right? That's right, man. That was definitely – it's funny. I'll, I'm, I'm actually glad that I said that. My wife asked me the other day, she said, Hey, what, is there anything kind of an odd question? She said, is there anything you would have, you would 
you wouldn't change from five years ago. And I said, well, I don't know what you're asking me. And she said, you know, well, is there anything that you wouldn't change? And I said, I guess getting married to you, smart answer. And uh, she said, well, what about 10 years ago? And I said, I guess, you know, as crazy as this sounds, is I wouldn't change the fact that I got caught with four ounces of cocaine and, and almost went to prison because – First of all, I never touched another drop of cocaine. Mm -hmm. And secondly, it taught me lessons that I did not enjoy. Um, and, and quite frankly, it's contributed to the person that I am today. Yeah. And so, you know, I, anyway, so is there something maybe 10 years ago that you can think of that happened that at the time did not feel good or felt like it was going to be really shitty and then now looking back, you're like, wow, I actually wouldn't change that. This episode of the Successful Life Podcast is brought to you by House Call Pro. Whether you're looking to streamline your operations, reduce paperwork, or boost revenue, House Call Pro is your all-in-one business solution. Transform your business today with essential tools and support designed to drive efficiency and deliver exceptional customer service. To learn more, click the link in the show notes. My, my little point was the year 2000, 99 and 2000. Okay. And I'll, I'll share that story because it's more relatable to what most people listening nowadays can, can understand. But I, here I was, we were just coming out of an oil and gas downturn. That was what my career was previously. And I didn't have enough experience. I'd only graduated college in 98. So I was only a, a year out. I had a job, got laid off, downturn industry, didn't have enough experience to go get another job. Nobody was hiring. So I had to live off of credit cards. And I was living with a woman that I was not in love with that was pregnant with my son. So here I'm feeling like I'm trapped in a relationship with somebody that I was not in love with that did not support any of the things I did. And I was working as many odd jobs as possible as waiting tables, doing all kinds of things. So I was in a depression because that was a, it was a moment that I graduated college and I had a degree, I had the job and I felt like I'd hit a peak in my life, like a, a high peak. And then it, the very next year that was all taken away from me. And I felt like I had a moment of like, my life was about to improve. I mean, you heard me, I was, I was working nonstop and then basically got this thing and then she got pregnant. It wasn't planned. And we tried to work things out. We moved in together. It just wasn't working out. It's just we were never meant to be together, right? And here I was going into a depression because I, for a while I felt like that was the first time I'd lost control of my life. Like, dude, like things happen that I didn't plan. Like, what is this? I, I thought my entire life was planned. I was on this journey. And then it was just the, the rug was literally ripped out from underneath me. And, you know, we split up. And it was about a year and a half of depression because I ended up living with her until my son was about nine months old. And God, man, this, this, it was unsupportive, you know? So I was trying to think of a business to be able to get myself out of that hole. It's about $40,000 in credit card debt. And I was paying for my old apartment, which I couldn't break the lease. And I had a car note and then her note. And then she wasn't working. She was staying home with a child. So I was in a depression, man. I would get up every day, roll out of bed, begrudgingly get in the truck, drive to work. And, and, it, and I would get into the work parking lot and not even realize how I got there. You know, one of those kind of things. And it wasn't because I was sleepy. It was just because I was going through the motions of life thinking like, what the fuck did I do? Like, this is like, is this how everybody lives for the rest of their life? And there's a lot of people out there that do that for 40, 50 years, man. They're in a relationship that they're not happy with. They've got 
things going on. They're, they're, they're buried under these bills and late notices and they're in debt and dude, it's a depression, man. And I was in that and I didn't know that because I was in that. You just, I, I know that I was depressed looking back because I really don't remember a lot of details of that whole period of my life. It was just like, there was no color in my life and it was just like going through the motions and I knew that I hated my life, but everything that I was doing was for my son. Right. It's like, I don't want to lead by a bad example. So the thing is, I'm sitting here trying to build this business. I built an online community, ls1tech.com, that became the largest online performance community on the internet for General Motors cars. So all the Cadillac, Chevrolet, Pontiac, Holden, all the General Motors platform, all the performance cars and trucks were on my website. And that website grew to over 300,000 members. So very, very big community that I built. But I started that in 2001. And the, the key is that that was the year after I split from her and I went out on my own and just said, you know what, I can't deal with this because while I was coding and teaching myself graphic design and had this big idea, she would laugh at that idea. She'd be like, Tony, that's a stupid idea. Like dudes talking about cars on the internet, that is stupid. Like you're wasting your time. And here I'm thinking like, no, like there's already other business models out there that exist. Like I'm not inventing the wheel. I'm making a better wheel. She never understood that. She would just laugh at it, call it stupid. And so I knew like, this is never going to work out. So literally the year I left and I went out on my own, I started that website and that's the one that grew to multiple six figures of profit. We're making about $400,000 a year on 15 minutes a day. And we sold that for 2.3 million on an exit plan. So that was something that started in 2001 and we sold in 2007 in a very fast period of time that would have never happened if I would have stayed in that, that, rut of a life and that terrible relationship. That's so, that's wild. You know, I can identify with, I, I don't remember the years. Well, no, I do remember. It was right after I had gotten in trouble. You know, I didn't have a license because I'd had DUIs. Needless to say, I lived kind of a crazy ass life. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, very similar, I, I had moved in with a lady because I had to marry her because of the, the facility that I was in was like a Pentecostal holiness, like crazy shit. Like, uh, and so they wouldn't let me leave the program without being married. And I couldn't, it, unless I graduated the program, if I didn't graduate, I was going to prison. So I didn't have any choice. Literally, I had no choice but to marry her. And so I moved in with her and very similar, you know, I had a just fresh felony and like if life was not easy at that point. Mm -mm. And then I was just telling a girl yesterday that she would verbally abuse, you know, and that's a real thing. And, and I think more people go through, through that than what we know. But there were times when she would say to me, I will put cocaine in your drink and call your probation officer and you will test dirty and go to prison. I mean, it was, and that didn't happen just once. Like that was a regular, or she would say, I will slam myself against the wall and say that you, I mean like psych, like Tony crazy. And so I remember specifically one time she had done something and, and flipped the fuck out. And I packed a bag and went and sat in the woods I was so scared that she was going to call and say that I had done something. I've never touched a woman, nor would I ever. And so, but my probation officer hated me. So she would have believed it. Mm -hmm. 
It was a nightmare. It was an Dude, absolute that's, nightmare. That's that's a that's a prison on its own. Oh my god! That's it how was I terrible. felt. That's how I felt it. And the thing is, is you know, I had a newborn son, and my biggest fear that kept me in that relationship was wondering who was going to raise my son. If you know, because I didn't trust her judgment. Sure. So my biggest fear is like, if I leave, like, who's going to be taking my place as stepdad? And that was my biggest fear. But then when I realized, like, I'm never going to be a success in life. I'm never going to be happy. I started to put myself first and you have to put yourself first before you start to thinking about your kids, because if you're not your best example of yourself with or without them living with you or not, then you're not going to set a good example for them as an adult as well. So you understand if you're in a miserable relationship, don't stay with somebody just because of the kids don't stay with somebody just because you're trying to avoid child support. It's a bunch of bullshit. You know what? I outran the child support. There's a max, there's a ceiling max that became a goal. Like I'm just going to outrun that. How can I make more than that to make sure that that never affects me? And that's what I did, man. It's just like, guys, you got to quit thinking like these bullshit excuses to stay in these terrible relationships with people. The more that you hang around with toxic and negative people, the more that's going to impact you mentally, physically, emotionally, you're not going to become the best version of yourself when you hang around with proximity, especially if you're sharing a bed with somebody that's toxic. So true, dude. And there's so many people out there, I believe, that have that live just like that because, totally. you know, in fear of, well, I don't want to leave because X or Y or whatever the reason, but you're so right. Staying around people like that, it will ruin your life eventually because your mind will never be able to heal or never be able to break free from that garbage that you keep pouring in. And it's like, it's like going home from to a trash dump every day. If that's what your life is. And the thing is, is that, that you, you nailed it, Corey. It's what they, it's a fear. They, they would rather accept the bullshit that they know rather than jump off and go do something that's the unknown. That's how people are wired. They don't like the, the uncertainty. I'm, I'm a crazy uncertainty kind of fiend. I, I'm an adrenaline junkie. I like to haul ass and race cars and motorcycles and, just do stupid shit. I like wanted to be a stuntman and that really led into my entrepreneurial spirit. It's kind of another way to be uncertain and just go after shit that scares me. I'm, I'm wired that way. I get it. Most people are not feel sorry for them, but they can learn from people like me because uncertainty is beautiful when you go embrace it and you actually take it serious. You know, we talked about all those different business models earlier, people jumping back and forth. You know what? You can go crush one of those. You can go be the best of the best in one of those if you commit yourself and show the tenacity and the consistency and just deliver value over and over and over for a period of one to three years minimum just to get started. If you can't commit to that, don't even get started in something. That's a great point. So uh, to your to your uncertainty point, you know, when you said that, it made me think that, you know, so what we think, what our minds conceive as what we want is lots of times my experience has been that lots of times that really if I go into it with uncertainty opposed to saying, all right, it's going, I'm going to make this much money on this product. Hypothetically, if I were to go into it, say, I'm going to make this product. So I'm going to help a bunch of people, dude, the, the bar goes so much higher than, than my mind can, 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 conceive or, 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 or design. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, dude. I mean, the universe got whatever he, that, that plan is a hell of a lot bigger than what I've got. What it's my plan be. is, 
It always is. It's got to be. There, there's so many low-level thinkers that don't even have the awareness. They basically try to make themselves money. And if that's you, just trying to make yourself money, you're never going to make real money. You've no. got to be bigger than that. You've got to make other people money to make you money. You've got to make other people happy to make you money. You've got to make other people successful to make you successful. Those are the things that most people don't think about. They're always just trying to get it for them. You know, like, what can I do? That's, and that's what an employee mindset is. Like, I'm literally going to get a job to pay me. They're not going to get that job to make that company better. No. They don't even have the right mindset going into the job. They're, they're there to get the paycheck. You basically get paid to tolerate whatever your job is. People bitch about their jobs and say, quit. Well, I got bills. Like, then you're getting paid enough to tolerate that job. That's all it is. Yeah, and if the job sucks, they'll pay you a little bit more and you'll tolerate it again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, how, many, how many times have you heard somebody complaining at the water cooler, lunchroom, man, our job sucks. My boss, this sucks. You know, I hate this job. Then they get a little pay raise. They're three to 5% at the end of the year, And then all of a sudden they shut up. Right. Yeah. You got, that means that was, that's your price tag. That's yeah. the price tag of your tolerance is what that raise was. That's right. That's exactly right. And that's, you know, and, and then for me, you know, and plus you're under, you're, you've hit a, so a glass ceiling, so to speak, other than that three to 5%, which is not shit, you know, in, in reality, it's not shit compared, you know, if you, even if it's a hundred thousand dollar salary, mm-hmm. you're looking at three to $5,000. That's really not shit after taxes. Inflation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, is that really enough to have you, you know, chained to that desk and doing something that you're fucking miserable at for me? Not so much. I, I, am not, I, for me, I don't want that. You know, I know there's a bigger purpose for me, yeah. bigger than what I can't even imagine. So, you know, I wish people would just, you know, magic of thinking big is such a badass book. Dude. Good book. I mean, one of Ed's early speeches last year, he, he was out on stage and he talked about how your dream has to be so big that it can contain the dreams of everybody that supports you whether that's your audience, your employees, they all have individual dreams, but your dream has to be big enough to contain all of their dreams in order for you to be success. And when he said that, it was the first time I'd heard, ever heard anybody verbalize that because it was a belief that I carried, but I never heard anyone like describe it that way because, and I started looking back in my life and the things that I've created, they've always made other people successful. So when you hear people out on the internet talking about, Man, I build millionaires. Like, no, I, I have legit built millionaires. Like, legit. Because I know of at least a dozen companies that started from people that were staff members on my website that started companies selling parts, working on cars, manufacturing little doodads in their garage. These people have built seven and eight figure companies, become multimillionaires by something I started. So, there it is. The dream that I created was able to support the dreams of other people. And I was like, dude. That's what happened. That's what I built. So that's what I'm building. They have 365 driven. It's not about me. It's about helping other people get what they want. It's about helping other entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs or business owners who are struggling get what they want. I already know that the fortune comes on the back end. It's not why I do this, but you have to put your belt. You have to put your mind to helping as many people as possible on a big scale. If you want some kind of return in life, quit thinking too small about what can I, what can I get now? What can I get out of this? What, I need a thousand dollars a month. I need 5,000 a month. Like whatever you're thinking like that, when you're listening to this, that's, what's going to keep you small. That's exactly right. I mean, if you're limiting yourself to whatever it is, that statement, whatever it is that comes out of the person's mouth. And you know, 
it's, I just wish there was a way for people to think, you know, to think more outside of the box, but you know, it's just like we talk, we, we've heard a million times, you know, we go to school, they tell you to sit down. Andy said it a million times, sit down, shut up. So we're programmed throughout our life. And that's why society is the way it is because that's how we were taught to be. I just am really grateful. Now, did you come from entrepreneurs or your parents, either one, mine, either? Absolutely not. My mom worked in the public school systems as a cafeteria lady her entire career. My dad was in the U.S. Marines, got out and worked in the chemical refineries as a laborer, became a general foreman, that kind of thing, worked up blue collar. Both parents retired now. You know, they put a lot of money away. They're the, they're the millionaires next door now because they were the ones that just saved, saved, saved and didn't like spend on anything. Like we cut corners on everything. Every house I grew up in was a fixer upper. It was the worst house in the neighborhood that we would spend the next three to five years building and like painting and fixing all the stuff and they would sell it, get a little bit nicer house, just to really stay in that same school system that they put us in because they couldn't really afford that, that town, but we were able, we were able to make it work as a family and my sister and I and, and them. So, you know, they, they showed me the tenacity and the hard work and the consistency over time and learning to be grateful for this awesome country that we live in that most people take for granted. So my mom being a Japanese immigrant, she would always tell me things, man. Like a lot of the, the mindset stuff that I get, I look back and it was for my mom because her coming over as a Japanese woman from her era, working farms, they basically plucked the girls out of junior high and you go work the farms, you go pick fruit. And that's, the, that's their life for the rest of their life. And then when she moved here with my dad, she's like, this is an amazing country. Like you can literally do whatever you want. Like you can get an education, you can go do this. And she used to tell me like, Tony, you could be the president of the United States. And I remember... I remember being a kid, like her saying that, and I was probably like eight or nine years old. I said, well, how much does the president make per year? And she told me, I was like, that's not enough to get shot at. <laughs> so I was even smart as a kid. Like, dude, I, I, no, I'll go get an engineering degree and earn that without getting shot. <laughs> you know, so, it's, uh, so it's, she was always the one feeding me with like, you could do whatever you want. And the thing is, I'll look back and, you know, we talk about vision boards and stuff like that. But when I was a kid, I had one and I didn't know what it was called. It was a cork board that we put above my desk and I used to draw pictures and I'm very artistic and build model cars. You know, I'm a car nut. I'd build model cars, draw pictures and do these things at my desk and I had a cork board. And my mom would always be like, hey, if you think, see things in magazines that you like, cut those out and use a thumbtack and put them up there. And this will be like your good memory sports. Anytime you win an award or something, you're like, just stick it up there. And I just thought that was normal, dude. I thought that's how everybody lived. So I was like, okay, cool. And I would do that. And my board was always filled out. And I remembered like looking back probably when I was like 30, realizing like, holy shit. Like the first time I heard about a vision board, I go, oh, what? holy shit. That's what I had when I was a kid. That's like, crazy. it's crazy to think back like that. That's wild. That is absolutely wild. And now on the vision board, just out of curiosity, have, did you, you know, I know you were young and no telling what you put on there, but did, did you ever have any of those things that you put on the vision board? Absolutely. I've, I've achieved far more financially than I ever thought of. I never thought I would be a millionaire, multimillionaire, things like that. I just never thought like that. I, I didn't have that in my family. Nobody on either side of my family had that kind of success. I was the first one on both sides of my family to go to college to give you an idea. So I, I put a bunch of fancy cars on there, you know, things that I enjoyed and houses and stuff. And now I live in one of those houses and now I have had several of those cars. And I remember even in college, you know, it was like 1995. I still remember the day I was in the middle of college. I still had two years left to go. 
and the Dodge Viper, they showed this blue one with white stripes, like it's hard top. And it was a, it was a prototype at the time, GTS coupe prototype. And I'm a Chevy GM muscle car guy. So like to me, like a Dodge would be like, Oh man, but I love the car. It's like, that's a beautiful car, man. I'd love to have one, but I didn't have a hundred thousand dollars to go buy a car. Right. Like in college I was broke as shit. You know, I was like, you know, trying to get by. And so that was on my vision board, you know, studied and I'd see that thing on the wall and I could, you know, the poster from a magazine. And then here's the thing is then I started that company in 2001. I still didn't have enough money to do that. 2005 rolls around. Actually, did I get the dates right? It was 1995 when I saw the prototype. Did I say that right? Yeah, Anyways, yeah you did say that. Yes. Okay, 95. So 2005 comes around and I'm doing some photojournalism for automotive magazines. I was doing that at a high level and one of the editors calls and he goes, hey, I've got this Trans Am down in Houston that I want you to do a rolling shot with an exotic car. Like I wanted to show it as a world beater, you know, this Trans Am versus the world. It's like, okay, well, I mean, let me call around and see if I can get somebody with an exotic car, Lamborghini or whatever, right? And so I called the guy with the Trans Am and I got to tell him about the idea. He's like, dude, he goes, I have a friend that just got a blue Viper, brand new one that just came out, like the newest model. I'm like, oh yeah, that'd be awesome. Like it's brand new, right? Shows up, they show up on a Saturday. We're doing the photo shoot. I open my front door and there's a blue Viper with stripes out in the front. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Like the car that I used to daydream about that was still not on my radar because it was a hundred thousand dollar car still. And it's like, so I got to spend the whole day sitting in that car, shooting photos of it, going for rides talking to the owner, just really visualizing this car in a great level of detail going, man, I'm still rocking $30,000 at the time. I'm doing pretty well with the business, but it's like, I couldn't go forward that kind of thing. So it's got someday I'm going to have one of these. I will have one of these. And so the very next year is when I sold the company and I was able to go write a check for a brand new one of those. And I still have it. I still have that blue and white Viper out in my shop. I've got a white one and a blue and white one. So awesome. that, that story visualizing the law of attraction, everything happened for a reason, man. I set those goals in place and I always told myself, cause I'm, I'm, I'm financially sense, like don't go buy a hundred thousand dollar car until you have a million in the bank. Most people go buy a hundred thousand dollar car when they don't have that kind of money and they pay right. these car notes. And so most of the people, even Andy's talked about this, like the lifestyle that we see is only 10% of what he's actually earning. And when you can think about that way, you start to really scale back your lifestyle. So anyone that's listening to this that wants to go buy a hundred thousand dollar car, a hundred thousand is common nowadays, but you know what? You didn't put the work in to really afford that. You can afford the payment. That's not the same as affording it. Right. Absolutely. That is such a fucking awesome story. That is such an awesome story. And the crazy thing is you had no idea what you were doing with the vision board at the time. It just goes to show you like how the shit works. Like it really absolutely works but you got yeah, and, that, and that was 10 years that was 10 years from the time that the seed was planted till it happened so you got to think about it most people think too short term yeah. kind of goes back to it man it's like the consistency and action over time is what's going to get results most people forget the time part absolutely no i agree yeah if it doesn't happen you know in two months well i guess it wasn't meant to be you know that's that's how people think that's just how people think. And sometimes, you know, I know, uh, I, I'm not sure who it is that talks about, I know Gary Vee talks about patience. That's the patience he's talking about. Yes. Right. He's not talking about, um, be patient in, in making a decision in business. No. He's talking about being patient to get what you want and like yeah. it's coming, you know, and yep. I'm sure you agree with that. 
I call it, I call it myself. I call it aggressive patience. You have to be aggressive with your actions, Yes, but you have to be patient for the results. Most people are patient for the actions. Most people are patient for the skills that they're putting in the time, their work, they're being patient. They're being really complacent is what that is. You got to be patient for the results. Like these podcasts, the first year is going to feel like a ghost town. You're not going to get a lot of downloads. You're going to go log into Libsyn or Anchor and go, oh man, only 30 people downloaded this. And you're going to feel defeated because other people are making millions of downloads per episode and your comparison and you're going, well, I guess it's just not out and it's not cut out for me. But the thing is that people are observing you. They do that in silence. And I always tell people, this is one of the speeches I give, like people observe you in silence. Here's the thing, Corey, like I know that you make videos. I make videos. When, when you first started doing that, I guarantee you had far more reception because it was out of your norm. People are like, oh, what is he doing? Like, this is cool. Oh, that's a great video, Corey. It looks awesome. They give you the likes and they go, hey, man, good video. And then about 10 videos in, they stop watching. You stop getting likes and you go, what am I doing wrong? Is it my messaging? Am I being an asshole? Am I being a narcissist? What, what's really going on here? And you start to have that self-doubt creeping in your head. Is a podcast post or making a video? And the thing is, is that at, after about two months of that no man's land is what I call it, you start to really have self-doubt and you're like, dude, this is a waste of time. Like I see Tony out there doing it. I see Andy out there doing it. I see all these people out there killing it. It's just, they're not, for some reason, nobody loves me. So I'm just thinking I'm going to quit. And then you quit. And then that was the test that you just failed because people watch you in silence. People are observing you in silence, but they see so many fucking people that do this shit for one to two months that they're not going to commit to supporting you until you prove to them that you're consistent over a long period of time and that you're actually legit and mean what you say and you're going to do this action. That, that happens around six to 12 months. So when you start to do this consistently, dropping an episode every week, two episodes a week, consistently, they're going to see like this person shows up. He's very serious about it professional quality. It's always delivering value. And now they're going to be like, here's your like, dude. Thanks, man. Hey, hey man, good job. They're going to comment to you. Hey man, they're going to leave a review. And then 12 months goes by and you're still doing it. And they're going to be like, dude, you guys got to come listen to Tony. You got to come listen to Corey. Like they're sharing your shit at that point. That's yeah. the thing. Like you, you miss it. Most people quit because it goes back to what we talked about at the beginning of this episode. Just that whole like one to two months, three months, people like think they're going to get some results. They don't say quit. They pivot. They look for something else to do. They go do that for three months. Don't do anything. Well, they, they act like they're balling at it and they're not really doing it. And they go, Oh, this shit ain't working. Then they go pivot again. Those people will never win until they break that chain, man. So true. You know, I will say this, you know, I don't really honest. And this is the God's honest truth. I don't, I might check the downloads maybe once a week if I think about it. And I'll tell you why. One, I've I've had a really good like people have the people that I've reached out to outside of one person, I'm not gonna drop a name, even though I would love to. Um other than one person, I've really gotten a really, really great responses. Good. And so, you know, for me I am, I'm loving the shit out of this because I get to talk to people like you and learn about whatever it is that you do and, and, and your story. And for me, that fills me up. Does that totally. make sense? I mean, and I'm, that, I'm that's the reason. Yeah. I'm learning that's the reason the you best. do it. That if, if, as long as that remains the reason you do it, you'll always win because, and I'll tell you, don't even look at your downloads, dude, Could for that first less. six months. 
don't even look at them for the first six months because it won't matter. They're not going to be, they're not going to, they're not going to, they're not going to illustrate the value that you're actually creating. Just, just put it that way. It's going to look a lot less than, and it's going to feel like disheartening. You don't need that shit in your mind. So understand that the value that you're creating could be discovered by somebody three years from now when you're killing this fucking show and they go, do you know what? I'm going to go listen to his old shows too. Yeah. This episode that you and I are talking to right now in this present moment, somebody might discover this two years from now and go, fuck, Tony Watley changed my life on that fucking episode. That's why I do these episodes, dude. It ain't about like, you know, Corey, dude, you don't have a big enough show yet. I don't want to come spend time with you. Like you're wasting my time. Like that's the scarcity mindset that a lot of people have, but you'll find that people in success space and the personal development space usually aren't like that. They're willing to share their information. So exactly, dude, these shows are about interviewing people that you want to have in your network, understanding their stories, the things that you're going to learn from them and share that with your audience. That's the main thing for the show. It ain't about the download counts guys. No, it's not. It's really not. And the, the one, the one response I got back was, uh, and, and look, this dude's not even, he's nowhere near the biggest person that I've had mm-hmm. by any stretch. And he was like, well, unless you, this is verbatim, unless you have 2,500 downloads, I don't do it. That was his fucking response. Right, I was man. Like, you know what? That, 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 what? that's, that's how a lot of people are. And the funny thing is, is I've, I've also met a lot of those people in the last year and a half. And I've blown past them, dude. It's so funny when you blow past somebody like that because you take a little mental book, you know, bookmark of that yeah. and that moment. And then you go blowing past them and then all of a sudden they're contacting you to come be on their show. Like they forgot like how they responded like that to you because they start declining a lot of people with that same bullshit response. You guys, if I have time, if I have time and I know that you're sincere, I'll go spend the time to come on your show. That's, that's a given. But if I don't have time, I'm just going to tell you like, dude, I'm, I'm swamped, dude. Sure. Book me out three months when I have time, you know, and if you're patient, let's do that shit. You know? So like even you, like it was like a month before we kind of had to connect. So understand that be present, be available, but don't ever give somebody that kind of a bullshit experience. Like you're too, you're too uh, big dick in is what that is. Like I'm, I'm big dick in you, man. Like who are you? Who, who, who dis like new, new phone, who dis? It's so, so interesting. Um, you know, even, you know, like I interviewed Bradley the other day. Like, mm-hmm. I, I it was I, you know, that blew my mind that he. Now, I, granted, yeah. I, I had to hound the shit out of him, which I don't but, usually do that. I really don't. I don't yeah. hound the shit out of somebody. Him, we started talking, and then we had yeah. a, a relationship. So, just right. And so, anyway, it. Uh, but it's been. It's we got to we got to wrap up. But it's a. Uh, this has been a great, great, great experience. And Tony, I appreciate, you know, I know your time is valuable and I really appreciate you spending this hour with me and with the audience because someone will gain something out of this conversation and hopefully it will change their life. Most likely it will. Absolutely, man. It's, it's always good to connect with a fellow Arte brother, man. That's, it's, it's a good, it's a good group and they're, they're on a good mission. So awesome, dude. 100%. Well, thank you so much for everything. I do appreciate it. And um, I'll catch up with you soon. Awesome, dude. If you guys want to find me, yes. 365driven.com. You'll find my book, podcast, everything I'm working on in this world, man. And you can also download his book. That's what I did. I downloaded the book, the audio book, which I liked. So 
Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and rate and review. I forget to say that rate and review the podcast. I totally, every time it's the first time I've said it, I think anyway. Yeah. Yeah. If you're getting value, go give him a five-star review on this podcast. That's how podcasts get ranked, you know, exactly. more, more reviews, more ranks. That's right. All right, my man, have an awesome day. Thank you so much. I'll see you soon. All right, Corey. All right, brother. I want to thank you again for tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. If you have not already subscribed, please do. And look, if you really enjoyed today's episode, email me at SuccessfulLifePodcast at gmail.com and tell me what it was you enjoyed. And if there's somebody that you want me to bring on, then email me about that and tell me who it is. And... I'll make sure it happens. So, you know, leave us a review, tell a friend, and until next time, folks, have a good day. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into the Successful Life Podcast. We hope today's insights have ignited your passion and provided tools to shape your leadership journey. Remember, greatness is a journey, not a destination. Continue your pursuit by exploring more resources and insights over at CoreyBarrier.com. Until next time, keep leading, keep learning, and keep striving for excellence. Stay inspired and see you on the next episode.